Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Let's look at verse number 11. The Bible says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping His commandments and His judgments and His statutes which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents of scorpions and drought where there was no water? Who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint? Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee the latter end? And thou thou say in thy heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall all forget the Lord thy God, watch this, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them. I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. Preacher, ask the blessing this morning. Thank you so much. If you know anything about your Bible, you, you've got to realize what's going on here. Uh, Moses has led two and a half mil, million backslid belly aching Baptists out of Egypt and they're headed towards the promised land. And you know the story. God's already gave the law one time and He's given the law again here in the book of Deuteronomy. Are, are you aware that that's what the word Deuteronomy means? It means a second giving of the law in Hebrew. Uh, that's the literal trans- translation. It means the second giving of the law. And uh, here's how I know that those uh, children of Israel uh, were Baptist preacher. They didn't listen the first time. And God had to tell them again, so God had to repeat Himself. Uh, now, a lot of people want to junk the Old Testament, preacher. Uh, but if you read the Old Testament, you'll find uh, that there is a lot of foundational truth in the book of Deuteronomy about the proper way to love God and the proper way to serve God. So God's given His law to His people for a second time and He says to them in verse number 11, Beware. That means to be aware. Watch out. Take heed. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord. And then God goes on to say, Don't you forget about me. Don't you dare forget me when when things are good and everything's going right. Don't you dare stick your chest out and say, My life is good because of myself. I'm a self-made man. God said, Don't forget me. I'm the one who blessed you. I'm the one who made you who you are. I'm the one that established this nation. I'm the one that brought you out of bondage and set you free. God's telling His people, real simple, don't you forget that I'm God. Don't you forget that, uh, don't you forget where you came from. God's saying, don't you dare take me for granted. Don't you dare take my goodness for granted. And that's what I want to preach on this morning, preacher. I want to preach on a real simple thought, but a very much needed thought this morning, if I may please. I want to preach on the subject of taking God 
for granted. Taking God for granted. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you this morning that we are grossly guilty of taking the great God of heaven for granted. Now more than ever, I mean just think about it, we've got it better now than we've ever had it, but now more than ever... We're taking God and His goodness for granted. What do you mean, preacher? We're unthankful. We're an ungrateful people and we take God for granted. But here's the problem, preacher. We're so selfish we don't even realize it. We're so self-centered. We're so wrapped up in ourself that we don't realize that we're taking God for granted. I submit to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that one of the greatest, one of the most outstanding, the one, of, one of the most screaming sins in the church today is the sin of taking the goodness of God for granted. Hey, we depended on God for salvation when we first came to Him, when we first came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hey, we depend on God for deliverance when the storms of life come our way. Problem is this when God wants to bless us, we toss him to the side. We put him in the trunk like a spare tire. Or we forget all about God when we're prosperous and there's monies in the bank and the bills are paid and the kids are are staying out of trouble and everything's going well and everything's going right. We treat God like a spare tire. You say, preacher, how can a person do that? How can a person take the goodness of God for granted? How can someone commit this awful sin? How can somebody take God for granted? Let me show you just a couple things from the Bible and I'll be finished. I'm going to pray. Okay. Number one, I'll tell you the first way that I know we're taking God for granted. We're taking God for granted, first of all, when it comes to the message in His Word. The message in His Word. You remember, the fact, ladies and gentlemen, that God thought enough of you to preserve His Word for you. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm talking about people gave their life and for, just so you could have a copy of the living Word of God. People were executed. People were tortured so that God's Word could not only be preserved, but so that God's Word could be translated into a language that you could understand, a language that you could read. But we use our Bibles for decorations on the coffee table, and we leave them in the back windows of our cars, and we never pick them up, we never read them, we never turn the cover on the precious Word of God. And I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that we're taking God for granted if we're neglecting the Word of God. Let me ask you a question, lady. Did you read your Bible this week? When I said open your Bibles this morning, was that the first time you've turned the cover all week? Hey, if we're not reading God's Word, Benny, we're taking God for granted. God loves you so much that He made sure that His Word would be preserved for you. And we don't even care enough to pick it up and read it. Here's what the Bible says about it, Romans 15, 4. The Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. And that's good enough on its own. But watch what he says after the comma. He says that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have what? Hope. The Bible's talking about itself. How many of you know the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible? Somebody help me right there. The, The Bible's talking about itself right there. And it says the Bible was written for our learning. It was written for our comfort. It was written for our hope. And we wonder why so many people quit. Why they blow out. (coughs) Why they throw in the towel. They get discouraged. It's because they have no hope. 
And that's partially because there's a neglect of God's Word. We wonder why so many of our people are in sin, Benny. We wonder why so many of our people are messed up and they're so worldly. It's because they're ignorant of the things of the Word of God. They neglect the Word of God. They refuse to be students of the Bible. And it's become apparent in their lives. I said this the other day, preacher, and I don't mean any harm to any preacher, any church, any anybody. But we're failing our young people. We are failing our young people. Because I'm afraid, Brother Howard, we get them saved and we say, okay, live right. Do right. There's no discipleship. There's no training. And then we wonder why they don't turn out. It's not their fault. Bless God, it's your fault. And it's my fault. I'm talking about no discipleship, no training. We throw a King James Bible in their lap, we take them to the river and we dunk them and we say, bless God, live it. No instruction. Shame on us. No wonder they're ignorant. No wonder they don't make it. Shame on us. Well, anyhow, I didn't mean to go there, but I was having a good time. I submit to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that it's the Word of God that helps you to live clean. It's the Word of God that gives you peace. It's the Word of God that will calm your mind and settle your nerves when the storms of life come your way. Uh, the Word of God's going to give you hope when things look hopeless. The Word of God's going to teach you and it's going to guide you and it's going to mold you into the Christian that God wants you to be. It takes a knowledge of the Word of God. I say to you this morning, it's a shame that we've got more Bibles than we've got good sense. Say amen. It's all right. Don't don't look at me like that. So help me God, I'll throw a songbook at you. Don't judge me, I judge back. It's all right. We've got more Bibles, Benny, than we've got good sense. I mean, most of us have more Bibles in our home than we could ever read in a lifetime. And we never pick them up. We never read it. Let me ask you a question. Are you aware of the fact that there's thousands of, of language groups on the face of this earth today that don't have a copy of the Word of God in their language? We've got it in our language, Benny. We could care less. Why? Why, preacher? Because we take God for granted. Are, are you aware of the fact that in places like North Korea and China, it's illegal to own a copy of the Bible? Irrelevant if it's in English and they can't understand it. It's still illegal to own a copy of the Word of God. How many times have you seen uh, when a missionary comes in to present the work and they'll talk about how they smuggle in pages like a drug dealer smuggles dope into America? Just for a few... I, I mean, talking, I'm talking about people who are willing to risk life and limb and liberty for a few pages of the Bible. And we're far too busy to pick up the Bible for just a few minutes every day. We've got more, uh, we've got more Bibles than we've got since. And yet we still fail to pick it, up, pick it up and be a student of the Word of God. Why, preacher? Here's why. Is everybody listening? We're taking God for granted. We're used to it. We're numb to it. And we take God for granted when it comes to the message in His Word. Number two, real quickly. I'll tell you another way I know we're taking God for granted. Excuse me. We're taking God for granted, second of all, when it comes to the mercy at His throne. What do you mean by that, preacher? Here's what I mean. We're taking God for granted, preacher, 
when we don't take advantage of His mercy. And you know how we do that? We do that when we don't pray. Here's what the Bible says about it. Isaiah 59, 16. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. The Bible says there was no man. There was no intercessor. Did everybody get that? There was nobody who was willing to go to God on behalf of another. There was nobody who was crying out to God. There was nobody who was willing to stand in the gap. There was nobody who was willing to pray. Let me ask you a question, sir. Have you ever considered, have you ever stopped to think about the fact that we have every resource that we could ever imagine at our disposal if we'll just use it? It's this thing that we call prayer. We have the ability, preacher, to call on the great God of heaven. We have the ability to call on the one who can do anything, anytime, anyplace, anywhere with anybody. We have the unlimited miracle working power of God at our disposal if we'll just use it. But here's where we're living. We're too busy. We're too busy to pray. We're not interested in prayer. We're not interested in seeking the face of God. We've got too many other things going on. You remember when Jesus was in the garden and he went back and he found the disciples asleep and he said, you couldn't watch and pray one hour with me? And Jesus had told him, he said, watch and pray. He said, boys, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, I know that when Jesus said that, he was referring to himself, but he said something very true right there, preacher. He, he said something very true uh, that could be depli- not only applied to the disciples, but to you and I, uh, because they had fell asleep. They weren't watching. They weren't praying. Here it is real simple. The reason why people neglect their prayer life is because it's inconvenient. We live in a microwave. First of all, thank God for the microwave. Thank God for it. If it wasn't for the microwave when I was single, I'd have probably starved to death. Bless God, you can get popcorn out of the microwave. Somebody ought to shout right there. But we live in an instant microwave right now. Got to do it. Got to have it. And I'm afraid because of that... We are a people who don't want to be inconvenienced for anything. Every minor inconvenience to our people today, preacher, is the end of the world. I mean, my God, we get held up on interstate for 25 and 30 minutes and that's the end of the world. Now, I don't like it no better than you do, but let's just just be realistic. I'm not being negative, I'm just a realist. Every small thing that goes wrong in our life is the end of the world. God doesn't love us anymore. Why, preacher? Because we don't like to be inconvenienced. We, we are a people who, who don't want to be bothered. We don't want to do anything that's outside of what we want to do. And we don't want to be inconvenienced. It's inconvenient to take time. It's inconvenient to invest time to seek the face of God. We never want to be bothered with it. Or we don't want to go out of our way to do anything, especially pray. Somebody help me right there. And the problem with that, ladies and gentlemen, is we've cut our nose off to spite our face. And we don't realize it. And if we do realize it, we just simply don't care. Amen. It sounds real simple to say it like this, but it's true. God loves you. Amen. 
And God wants to hear from you. God longs to have fellowship with His people. I mean, my God, folks, why do you think He started this whole mess? God longed to have fellowship with people is why He started this whole mess. God wants to hear from you. Uh, The Bible says this. The Bible says we ought to come boldly before His throne. Why, preacher? To obtain mercy is why we ought to come boldly. Now look, I don't know how it is with you, but I need all the mercy I can get. And I'm not afraid to ask for it. I I say to you, we're taking God for granted when we won't be inconvenienced to pray. I say to you, we're taking the goodness of God for granted when it comes to the mercy at His throne. Number three, here's a big one. Let me lose the rest of you right here. (coughs) Here's how I know we're taking the goodness of God for granted, preacher. We're taking Him for granted when it comes, number three, to the meeting at His house. The meeting at His house. Hey, I'm talking about church. Everybody okay? And the bathrooms are broken. Your car's blocked. Just still, it's okay. I just think if you're saved... If you Jesus, then going to church is an automatic refund. Somebody said one time, you don't have to go to church to be saved. And they're absolutely right. But if you were saved, you'd want to go to church. I tell you, I just like going to church, man. I like being at church. And I tell you, there's been times that I've been sick or we've been out of town and it just feels wrong not to be in church when it's time for church. There's just something out of place about it. You know, trying to, uh, trying to get somewhere or, or, or sickness or whatever. And man, Sunday morning rolls around. And in my mind, I don't know how it is with you. It's 11 o'clock. Well, I guess, I guess they're opening up church. Oh, it's 11.30. I, I guess they're singing by now. Oh, it's about, about 10 minutes till 12. I, I guess the preacher's getting ready to preach. I mean, that's just how I think. It just feels wrong. When it's church time and I can't be in church, I mean, I'm just stupid enough to believe that church is important. Somebody help me right there. What about, what about this? I hope Roy Cooper's listening. I believe church is essential. Somebody help me right there. I just believe that if you love God, uh, you'll go to church. I, I just believe that. I, I, you show me a man who says that he loves God and he doesn't want anything to do with the church and I'll show you a liar. Somebody say amen right there. Man, when I got saved, I, I fell in love with the Lord, but I, I fell in love with church. I, I mean, everything... <coughs> excuse me. I remember a time, preacher, when church was the hub... I mean, church uh, was it. You didn't plan church around everything else. You you planned everything else around church. I mean, I never remember a time in my life when church wasn't important. I never remember a a time in my life when church wasn't a huge part of my life. Hey, Hey, by the way, everything good that's ever happened in my life happened to me in church, by the way. Hey, I got saved in church. I got baptized in church. I got called to preach in church. I learned the Bible in church. I met my wife in church. I got engaged right here in church. I got married in a church. And guess what? When Jesus comes back, He's not coming back for a social club. He's coming back for the church. I just think you ought to go to church, man. I just think you ought to go to church. Here's what the Bible says about church. Can I give you some scripture? 
Nehemiah 13, 11 says this. Then contended I with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? Boy, if that ain't the day we're living in, I'll eat your dirty socks. I say, I say it all the time, but we live in a day where everything trumps church. Man, why can't we prioritize? Why can't we put God first? I, I, I mean, now, now listen, I, I'm not interested in beating people to death. I'm not interested in that. Listen, I, I, I'm not for these people who, who, who form their own committee and when somebody's been out two or three weeks, they want to go find out where they're at. Bless God, y'all to keep your mouth shut and mind your own business. Somebody say amen right there. It ain't none of your business where they've been. I didn't get no help on that, preacher. I, I'm not for beating people to death, Benny. But I just believe y'all to be faithful. I believe you ought to be consistent. I, 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 just, I just think I, I think it's silly. I think it's stupid to beat people to death over it. And I know that sometimes you can't be here. I know things happen. I know life happens. I know things get in the way. I'm not ignorant of that. I'm not insensitive of that. But I've got a problem with people who willfully neglect the house of God. It always amazes me. <laughs> I took a psychology class one time for two reasons. First of all, because I had to. That's a pretty good reason. Second reason I took it is because I wanted to find out if I was crazy. And guess what? Yeah, bless God, I'm not certified. I'm certifiable. Somebody help me right there. And before you laugh, you hypocrite, you defeat, you failed the test too. And it's always amazing. I, I, I love to know how people think, Becky. And I don't know whether it's my training or, or, or what it is. I just I have an interest, I have a fascination in, in, in wanting to know how people think. You know, <clears throat> I, I like to read stuff about serial killers and stuff sometimes because I'm in, I, well, just follow me. I don't, don't, don't check out on me yet. Because I'm interested in what makes people do the things they do. What were they thinking when they killed that person? What were they? What was going on in their mind when that happened? I, I, I'm interested in the human thought process, and, and that fascinates me. And with knowing that about myself, and now you knowing that about me, I'm always amazed. And I'm always interested in knowing what goes on in somebody's head when problems come and tragedy strikes, and the first thing they do is quit God. Because common sense says to me, instead of running to God, they run from God. Wouldn't it make a whole lot more sense to run to God than to run from God? And because they run from God, they make an even bigger mess out of their life. They've forsaken the house of God. They quit on God. And they've really got a worse problem they had when they ever started. I don't understand that. I'd love to know if somebody can explain it to me. Hey, stop me after church. Tell me all about it. I'd love to know. But it doesn't make any sense to me. But isn't that what people do? You let the first problem come along. You let the first tragedy strike. And you won't be able to find a preacher with the FBI and a CNI dog. You'll never see him again. And I don't understand that. Well, anyhow, I've got to move on. What about this? How about Psalm 63 too? Uh, the Bible says, To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. 
Hey, if you want to see the glory of God, if you want to see the power of God, you want to know where the best place is you can see it? It's right here. It's right here in this place. What about this? Psalm 96.6 says this, Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Here's what the Bible's saying. Real simple. Is everybody listening? There's no place like the house of God. Hey, and I say amen to that, by the way. This place is special. There's no place like this place. There's no church like this church. It's the best church there is as far as I'm concerned. Somebody say amen. I mean, I'm like Peter, preacher. Lord, it's good to be in this place. There's no place like this What place. I say to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to fall in love with Jesus properly, if you want to worship God properly, if you want to love God properly, it's to be in your place. If you're going to love Jesus properly and with the right motives, you've got to fall in love with His church. I'm about tired of seeing people who show up only when we're eating, preacher, or when we're having a Christmas play, or... Or when we've got a, a, a group of singers or something, and they only show up when we're having something special. I say that crowd needs to get connected to the heart of the church. That crowd needs to get saved. I say to you, we're taking the goodness of God for granted when it comes to the meeting at His house. Number four. Let me give you one more way, and I, I'm leaving. I'm done. I'm going home. Mama's got lunch in the crock pot, and I'm hungry. We take God for granted, number four, Preacher Howard, when it comes to the ministry of His Spirit. The ministry of His Spirit. What do you mean by that, Brother Chris? I'm talking about how we take God for granted when we ignore the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Uh, What I mean by that is we don't listen to His voice. Here's what Jesus said about the Holy Ghost. He said, when the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide us into all truth. The Holy Ghost is a lot of things. If, If you read the Testament, you'll find he's a comforter, you'll find he's a teacher, he's a friend. But Jesus said that the main function of God sending the Spirit of God uh, to this world was to guide us. The Holy Ghost's main function is to lead us. I preached a message here uh, one time, some time ago. I preached a message titled, Missing the Spirit-Filled Life. Anybody remember that message? And I said, uh, God doesn't save us just to get us out of something. He saves us to get us into something. And that something is spirit-filled, victorious, Christian living. I, I mean, I'm talking about living a surrendered life. I'm talking about living a life that's led and directed by the Holy Ghost. I, I'm talking about living right and doing right and being pleasing to the Lord. I, I mean, I'm talking about somebody who's sensitive to the Holy Ghost and listens when he speaks. And when I preach that message, preacher, I preached on how people miss it. And, and, this, and this happens and that happens and people miss it. And they just let the chance to be a spirit-filled Christian just pass them by. And they miss it. And they're never everything they could, have been, they could be. And they'll never be what they could have been because they miss it. But can I submit to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that the number one reason so many of our people will never live the Spirit-filled life, why so many of our people will never be everything that God intended them to be, it's because they don't listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost. We neglect the voice of God. If you read the, if you read the New Testament, Paul did a, a lot of teaching on the Holy Ghost. Uh, I would dare say that outside of Jesus, the Apostle Paul knew the Holy Ghost better than anybody, preacher. 
But if there was one thing Paul wanted the church to understand, it was the need of listening and obeying the Spirit of God. If that wasn't the case, then why in the name of God did he put over and over and over and over and over in his letters, quench not the Spirit? Why did he write over and over, grieve not the Spirit? Paul wanted us to know this, and it sounds real simple, but he wanted us to understand that in order for the church to be effective, in order for the church to be all that it could be, Paul knew that we would need to hear. And furthermore, not only hear, but obey God's voice in our life. (coughs) Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you that we're dependent on the voice of God, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We desperately... And need the leadership. We desperately need the guidance of the Holy Ghost. Hey, I'm just going to tell you this. If we don't have the leadership of the Holy Ghost, preacher, you know what we're going to have? We're going to have a mess is what we're going to have. And I don't mean to pick on the preacher because he's sick. You know I love him. Listen, don't you fool with this man. I'll kill you. Don't you fool fool with Dennis Hensley. I'll kill you and tell everybody you had chicken pox. But do you think that he's got enough sense on his own to hold this thing together? Preacher, you've been here 30, 30 years, 31? Do you really think, and I, I'm not taking nothing away from him because Dennis is an intelligent man. He knows about everything. If I call him and say, hey, how do you do this? He knows about it. I'm not taking away from his intelligence. But do you really think he's got enough sense? He's got enough training. He's got enough education, enough learning to hold this thing together for 30 years. Do you think he's got that on his own? I mean, my God, have you, has some of you folks met yourself? It's all right, honey. Say amen. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. I ain't sending you no flowers either. He's dependent. And I know, preacher, I'm not taking anything away from people. I mean, God just gives some people the gift of leadership. And man, they can just jump in and people will fall in line. Uh, But it takes the leadership of the Holy Ghost to direct the man of God, to direct the church. (coughs) Excuse me, Paul said it like this. He said, you follow me. As I follow Christ. And that's what we do, isn't it? We follow the man of God as he follows the Spirit of God. Now let me just tell you something, church member. If he ever stops following God, then you have no obligation to follow him. Uh, But as long as he's in the book, as long as he's following the Holy Ghost, then you ought to keep your mouth shut, get in line and submit to God's man. I said submit to God's man. Let me say it one more time in case you didn't hear me. I said submit to God's man and follow him as he tries to follow God. Somebody say amen right there. Ladies and gentlemen, we're living our life in vain. I hope I helped you there, preacher. I'll charge you extra for that later. Ladies and gentlemen, we're living our life in vain if we're not sensitive, if we're not surrendered to the voice of God in our lives. And the sad reality is this. Is everybody listening? The average church member wouldn't know the Holy Ghost if they met Him in the hallway with a name tag. I say to you, we're missing the boat, ladies and gentlemen. We're taking God for granted when it comes to the ministry of His Spirit. We're ignorant when it comes to the Holy Ghost. You ever wonder why we get up up here sometimes and we sing, preacher? We get up here to sing one song or two songs 
and we end up singing four and five and God starts to move and God starts to help people and I'm just using myself for an example because I'm not real smart and I'm not real, I, I'm not real super duper spiritual but I'm smart enough to know when God says, sing your song. Amen. Amen. We've got to be sensitive. We've got to, and you've got to understand this about the Holy Ghost. Are you aware of the fact that He's easily offended? I've seen, preacher, I've seen God try to move in a service and somebody do one thing. I mean, one uh, insignificant in our mind. Or say one thing that was just, to us, would have been nothing. Insignificant. Wouldn't have gave it a second thought. And it's like you suck God out of that place with a vacuum cleaner. Why, preacher? Because God is easily offended. And my theory is, there'll be a last time we offend Him. And he may not ever come back. We have something here that's special, Joanne. I've sung enough to enough crowds that bless God you couldn't get a, you couldn't throw a stick of dynamite at them and get them to move. We've got something special in this place, folks. We have an unusual spirit in this place, folks. But here's my question. I'm done. Let's stand with our heads bowed, our eyes are closed. What are we going to do? Are we going to take advantage of it? I mean, let's just get honest. Can we just get honest this morning? We just said we had, an un- we had something special in this place. We just said we have something unusual in this place. Can I ask you a question, sir? Can I ask you a question, ma'am? We're, we're talking about revival time, right? We're talking about revival time. Uh, uh, you know what it takes to have revival? Do you know what the first step to getting revival is? It's getting honest. And, and let's just be honest for just a minute. There's nobody here but us. What have you done to preserve what we have in this place? What have you done, you as an individual, what have you done to preserve the hand of God that's on this place? I I, I mean, man, we have something different here, folks. And if we're going to keep it, if we're going to maintain it, then we've got to get honest with ourselves and say, Lord, what have I done? Have I offended you? What have I done? What can I do, Lord? <clears throat> so here's my question. I'm finished. I'm going home. Are you taking the goodness of God for granted this morning, sir? Hey, uh, let me ask you this. Do you love God for what He does? Or do you love God for who He is? What about that? I, I, I say to you that if your priorities are right... You love God whether everything's going wrong or everything's going right. Hey, it's time to get our priorities straight, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to get our hearts right. It's time to get our hearts in the right place. It's time that we get focused back on the right things and make the main thing the main thing. What about you, friend? Have you taken the goodness of God for granted? Have you neglected your Bible? you neglected your prayer life? You proud of the kind of church member you are? Are you ignorant of the, of the voice of God in your life? If so, you've taken God for granted. I, I, I'm just interested in one thing. I'm going to ask you one more question. I'm done. And I want you to think about it before you answer. Have you taken God for granted? Father, 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for the time together in your house. Thank you for this thought. Lord, I pray, God, something was said, something was done to be a blessing to your people. God, I pray for these, my friends, on this altar, Lord. I pray that you would accomplish what they have need of in Jesus' name. Amen.